0: Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James K. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. I've recovered from a from an illness. How are you doing?
0: <laughs> well, you've recovered, and I've got ill. Um, you can probably hear it, dear listener. Um, I, I I definitely sound different. I can hear myself. I sound different. Uh, Some people might a little bit bunged up. Yeah, some people might like it. You know, some people have like a really nice husky voice when they get a cold Mm.
1: and you're like, I wish you had. not Yeah, I I enjoyed mine last week. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy the feeling that went with it, but I liked the.
0: Yeah, I I feel I feel a bit like Geralt of Rivia from The Witcher.
1: I mean, fun fact about that. If anyone likes The Witcher, the games um, when I went to uni, my head, of course, is the voice of Geralt of Rivia.
0: Of course. Yeah, I
1: remember you mentioned in that one. Yeah, he used to do the voice for us often. Really nice guy as well.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so obviously I'm ill. Uh, so I'm really sorry about that. Uh, so unfortunately, if I cough, <laughs> I'm going to try my best to not cough in the mic. Have you got water with you? Uh, do you know what? I haven't. No, I just finished a drink though before we started. Oh. So I should be okay for now. Um, you need to lubricate. Yeah, maybe. Uh, But yeah, if I do cough, I do apologise. Now, where are we? Uh, It's our Halloween special. It's Albert Fish Part 2. If you you enjoyed Part 1, I mean, I don't really know if that's a good thing or not. If you enjoyed it.
1: If you enjoyed Part 1, you're a freak and you need to have a word with yourself. Yeah,
0: I'm not sure if that was the best. Yeah, I'm not sure if you should be proud of the fact that you enjoyed it. If you found it interesting. Yeah, I think that's a fair way of putting it. If you found Part 1 interesting, you'll find Part 2 even more so um so shall we just get on with it we last left with albert fish's psyche beginning to crack with him now performing his deepest darkest fantasies with the killing of young francis mcdonnell in 1924 now it is pretty common for serial killers to have a cooling off period after killing especially after their first it's a time to recompose You've satisfied the compulsion, and now you can reflect on what you've done. And many serial killers go on to lead their lives as if nothing happened, until the urge to kill again becomes too powerful, and they go out to find another victim. Now, I think this is evident with Albert Fish after he murdered Francis MacDonald, to some extent. Now, Fish went about his day uh, painting, uh, decorating, just doing his day job. But just because he wasn't killing doesn't mean he wasn't completely docile. See, Fish was still a masochist. He was still whipping himself with his cat-o'-nine-tails. He was still inserting needles into his body. And he was still stalking children in the streets. But Fish had developed a new hobby. Fish's new hobby was writing letters. Oh, and if you haven't already, uh, check out our social media page where I've put up a picture of an x-ray of albert fish's groin and there are 29 Mm. sewing needles in his groin embedded in there that he has shoved up himself and they are just well and truly in there fish tended to write obscene letters to unsuspecting people he very rarely got a response but that wasn't really the point he just got off on the idea of someone reading his twisted letters and being horrified by them and I can only imagine that Fish was stimulated most of the time when writing his letters. Now, for context, it was the Great Depression, and many people were desperate for work. Men would be out all day in the search for a day's pay, and women would do household chores like laundry or ironing for cash. Now, in a time where social media didn't exist, the best way to advertise yourself was in the newspaper, with your name, address, and what you were offering like one woman who um, was advertising a room to let. And this was the reply that she received from Fish. Uh, James, you have the first quote, I believe.
1: Yes. so the format this week, I'm going to read some quotes that I've never seen before to get my reaction, so here we go. Quotation marks. Dear Madam, I am a widower with three boys, 13, 15 and 19. I wish to board out until the youngest are through school. I prefer a widow who has a girl old enough to aid her. Henry and John have caused me a lot of trouble by not going to school. Their principal, Miss Bruce, said to me if they were her boys, she would spank both of them soundly three times a day for a month and give John a dose of the cat-o'-nine-tails at bedtime. I have no time to do this and think whipping children is a woman's job. I want a good motherly woman who can and will assume full charge of the three boys.' Make them obey you, and when they don't, take down their pants and spank them good. Don't hesitate to strip them to their skin and use the cat and nine tails on them. So if you are interested, tell me how to reach your place by car. Yeah, um, so like I say, he uh,
0: would just see an advert and he'll go, oh, I'll respond to this, and he'll try to write uh, write, um, responses that he hoped would uh, terrify or freak out the recipient of the letter and in this of course is I mean, really wanting to like whip those boys
1: he's literally sending someone a message being like strip your children down and spank them yeah
0: now um as we go on to read more of these letters um i have a uh, a very <clears throat> i've got a theory that um these children in these letters that he's writing and referring to are just aversions of himself that he wants. So when he's saying he's got these three boys, they're very naughty, and he wants them to be whipped and spanked, I just think that's another
1: word for himself. I mean, he does seem to like to inflict pain, doesn't he? Upon yeah, himself. exactly.
0: He loves the pain, so I think he's just writing about himself, and he's just using the other words, uh, like, you know, giving the boys names and saying it's kids, just make it seem like it's not him. Uh, now, another letter was sent to uh, grace shaw a housewife who was offering to care for elderly and or people with disabilities in her home now a couple days later she received a letter from robert e hayden now robert e hayden he's a movie producer from hollywood and this is a fate yeah this is a favorite of albert fish's pseudonyms so, yeah, yeah, it's Albert Fish. He's just obviously pretending to be someone else. Uh, yeah. You've
1: got the next quote. I do, yes. So here we go. Buckle in. When five, Bobby fell down the cellar stairs, sustained a brain concussion. He's never been really normal since. Though going on two, good-looking, well-built, fully developed, he has the mental mentality of the age when he fell. He is harmless and just as easy to spank or switch as a child of five. I am now trying out European treatment in such cases. Prof Cairo of Vienna, Austria recommends it. He says that when he gets a spell, he must be whipped. They are having great success with it over there in such cases. So you see, as his own father, I would sooner have him whipped than have have him lose his reason entirely. Should you take him in charge, on the first occasion he shows temper, spank him the same as you would a small boy, and don't hesitate to use the cat-of-nine-tails on his bear behind. So this is about a grown man who's like uh, mentally challenged.
0: Yeah, so he's saying he's got a son who is uh, basically an adult, but he's obviously got the mentality uh, uh, mental age of a child, and he's like, listen, I'm a Hollywood producer, I ain't got time to be looking after him, can you care for him, but make sure you spank him good.
1: He's got a, He's got a Obsession with spanking.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, well, he loves it. He loves it. It's like that child mentality of being like, you know, he just, I think he's like a kid, isn't he? Now, interestingly, Albert actually gets a reply from Mrs. Shaw. Now, can you guess what that reply might be like? Fuck off, you weirdo. (laughs) Uh, No, uh, weirdly, she actually agrees to this offer that he sends her. Not only was she open to looking after fake son Bobby, but in the way as was described now Fish couldn't believe his luck she's not just agreeing she mentions how she has a daughter who uh, would help her deal with uh, whipping young Bobby now of course Albert wasn't actually looking for a room or for someone to look after a son of his this was just a game for him to get off but finally though someone was playing and he escalated so firstly he asked Grace Shaw if she was a widow and if so would she be interested in another marriage when she replied uh, that she was uh, was already married and that she would not interfere and that, that her husband wouldn't interfere with the job uh, fish then replied you've got the
1: next letter James My dear Mrs Shaw just got your very nice letter I'm pleased to know that you are not ashamed to strip Bobby naked and bathe him I am also glad you spoke to your daughter, and she is willing to aid you in taking care of him. There is no good reason either of you should be ashamed. You say that when she gives her OK and is willing to do her part, I shall be very glad to compensate her for spanking him. I feel that in part I am to blame for the condition Bobby is in. My conscience says that for being careless, I should be well whipped in the same manner and place both of you will whip Bobby. Some day I hope you will accommodate me. There is a place on 42nd Street, Fleischmann's Baths, where naked men are rubbed all over by women. I could go there and be well whipped, but I prefer some privacy. Let your daughter read this letter. He's trying to, like, work his way into a situation where he's getting these women to just abuse him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, he just wants to be... He wants to be Bobby in this scenario, and the more this woman replies to him, he's, like, that. he's getting off on that. It's, like, you know... Uh, but yeah he's just getting off on it he's he gets off on writing the letter knowing that this mm. one might be the one that makes her go oh my god but then getting a reply he's like oh my god someone actually likes this shit and i'm gonna see how far he can push it um now again mrs Shaw responded to this letter in a positive fashion she agrees to what he is asking her in fact the whole showing when he's like show this letter to your daughter let your daughter read this letter like (laughs) it's like this dude's evidently getting off on it and the woman's like okay yeah sure whatever um now fish and shore corresponded with each other for over a month uh, one of which contained a detailed diagram of how Bobby should be positioned in order to be whipped. Do you have this My one? My
1: God. Oh, yeah, here we are. So, how Bobby should be whipped. Belly down, spread eagle, ankles and wrists secured to the corner bedpost, bare buttocks ready. Like, don't That's get me
0: wrong. That's just some weird BDSM shit. Exactly, right? Austrian doctor is not telling you to whip your child belly down, spread eagle, ankles and wrists secure to the corner posts, bare buttocks ready. He's not suggesting that. If he is suggesting it at all, it's just like, you know, listen, get the boy over, spank his bum, tell him, and that would be like a shock to him. And it's like, how mm. is this woman reading this and going, oh yeah, fair enough, that makes sense. Yeah, I've got to tie him down to a bedpost and fucking strip him naked and whip his ass. It's
1: not ideal. I just want to interject really quickly. I'm really sorry if anyone can hear bangs in the background. Some dickhead next door has decided to <laughs> set fireworks off. <laughs> um what's the date today the 29th of october it's not even for bonfire nights next week or someone clearly never forgot the 5th of november <laughs> yeah they're ready anyway uh, if you can hear fireworks i do apologize
0: now one of the most graphic letters he wrote <laughs> was uh basically fish was they were, like they were corresponding for over a month and in this at one point i think she right was like i think something's a bit wrong here uh, so she asked like some uh, advice and someone's like, listen, uh, we can get the police involved, but we do kind of want a little bit more. So if you could like maybe string him along for a bit. And uh, she calls him like Dear Robert uh, at one point. And obviously that's not his name, but he, um, he obviously plays a pseudonym. So he believes it is him that she's talking to. Um, and his reply to her is
1: this. Dear honey, heart of mine, I am your slave and everything I have is yours prick balls ass what a fucking sentence prick balls ass (laughs) if you were my own sweet wife you would not be afraid of me hug kiss squeeze you spank you then kiss just where i spanked your nice pretty fat sweet ass you won't need toilet paper to wipe your sweet pretty fat ass as i shall eat all of it and then lick your sweet ass clean with my tongue i'm very <laughs> concerned my housemates are outside this room what the fuck did i just read <laughs> wasn't that fun there's just a lot of ass licking and spanking and eating yeah, we're back to the shit eating james he he wants someone to to shit and then he will just lick the yeah, excrement from from their asshole
0: yeah he'll eat it straight from the from the butt <laughs>
1: It's like a mobile bidet. Yeah. B-day, yeah. Does that say it? <laughs> yeah,
0: B-day. Fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I apologise. If you're listening to this episode whilst you're kind of at work, just sort of procrastinating and your headphones have just sort of come out of your phone or something, it's just James has been saying it out loud. I do apologise. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, not safe for work. No. Now,
0: as much fun as Albert had with his letter writing, it wasn't as satisfying as his self-flagellation or stalking children. One perfect way was to be whipped by children, and I'll let that hang in the air for a second. Now, in 19... 19- Whip. Yeah, whipped by children, obviously. He likes children, he likes getting yeah. whipped. If he can get both of those, oy, we're onto a winner. Now, in 1930, Fish was in Ohio meeting Mrs. Murta My- Nichols, a woman introduced to Fish through a marriage agency. Now, she was looking for a husband to support herself and her seven children and the first night with the family was rather uneventful. But on the second night, Albert was keen to introduce the kids to a game called Buck Buck, How Many Hands Up? Now, the game, right. is, the game is very simple, and it requires a costume. Albert came into the living room wearing only a small pair of brown pants and would get down on his hands and knees. The children would then sit on his naked back And they would hold up an amount of fingers. Albert was to guess how many fingers were being held up. If he got it wrong, he was beaten by the children with a large wooden stick that he brought with him that he used to mix his paints on his day job. And unsurprisingly, Albert was very bad at this game. In fact, on many occasions, when they go buck buck, how many hands up he would say there were more fingers being held up than there were actually are on both hands he'd say oh you have 20 fingers up and they'd go no silly i only have 10 fingers and he'd go oh well you'll have to beat me then that's the rules and then he's being beaten by young children
1: he's found a loophole <laughs> he has found a loophole <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's worked out how to get people to do it and make it seem fun
0: yeah exactly Does i mean he's got and that's that's how much of a predator this guy is this guy can make like kids think they're playing a game and but he is abusing them oh now oh. another game that he invented was called quote sack of potatoes over now again this involved albert's costume of brown pants And bear in mind, this man is late 50s, so imagine just some old skinny dude,
1: wrinkly man, just in brown pants. That's it. That's hideous. I mean, (laughs) I disagree with brown pants anyway. Obviously, in America, pants mean something different to you. That's trousers. But here, it's like underwear. Yeah,
0: he's just wearing like brown underwear.
1: I've I've never, I've never, I don't know, I don't ask men about what they wear, but I've never known anyone to wear brown underwear. No. Now, again. Just looks like you shit yourself. (laughs) yeah.
0: Albert this game was even simpler right sack of potatoes over is a very simple game Um, now Albert would put the kids on his shoulders you know like when you see like uh, dads uh, putting their kids sat on their shoulders you know like that Uh Albert considering how old he was was quite strong and dexterous he would have the kids sitting up on his shoulders and the game was for them to slide down his back while scratching his back with their nails as hard as they could That was it. That was the game. But to them, that would be so much fun. Yeah, and for him... But he's getting off on it. He's got a... 100% he's got a boner whilst he's doing this, like...
1: Yeah, oh, this is wrong.
0: Yeah. Now, um, one game that the kids didn't want to play was the Needles game. Now, remember, Albert loves Needles.
1: I mean, is he going to do to them what he did to himself? (laughs)
0: Now, the aim of this game was to see how far you could push a needle under your fingernail.
1: Why, man? That's like a prisoner of war torture tactic.
0: Yeah. Now, unsurprisingly... It makes no sense. Unsurprisingly, the kids didn't like this game. Um. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Like, what the fuck? Who would? Um, But Albert was like, well, I'll play on my own then. And so he did. And he kept putting needles under every single finger now as far as it would go. And by the end of the game, his hands were covered in blood because he had needles under every single finger now.
1: Before this episode started, we, we made a pact to swear less, but um, that's gone out the window <laughs> already. This is fucked. It's so fucked. It is, isn't it?
0: Like, it's so messed up. <laughs> but, like, remember in the first episode, I explained how. Albert tried to put needles in his balls. Like, he tried to prick his testicles, and he said that was too painful. So if that's too painful... And now, uh, I don't know if you've ever, like, accidentally caught something under your fingernails, dear listeners, but it fucking mm, hurts. Horrible.
1: It's painful. This guy's putting... This dude would be, like, the ultimate spy. You send him anywhere and he gets captured. He's not going to talk. They could torture him forever, and he will just get off on it. He'll have a great time. I'm
0: thinking of the scene in Casino Royale when Le Chiffre is uh, whipping James Bond's testicles and that chair. Mm. I'm thinking of that. He'd fucking love it. <laughs> He'd love it. Now, Albert also had a rather bizarre ritual. Every night at this family's house, after the games, Albert would go into the toilet, stuff Lou roll between his butt cheeks, and then light them on fire. And he did this every night.
1: <laughs> what, well, I bet his, like, ass is the least hairy thing ever.
0: Listen, right, this guy... That can't be good for you. This guy's a predator. And, and this is, like, they're probably the darkest dude, one of the darkest dudes we've ever spoke about. But, like, this is the one I just can't help but find funny. This guy's shoving toilet roll barbies between his cheeks and just setting them on fire because he just likes that.
1: That, I mean, fucks. But I swear it's like a drunken thing you do with, like... It's like a drinking game, isn't it? Where each of your friends, you don't shove up your ass, but you shove it down at like the back of your trousers or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you light it on fire when you're drinking and you have to down your drink before it gets to your ass. Like, Yeah, yeah. Now, but he wouldn't drink. <laughs> he just let it happen. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Um, now, uh, later on in his trial, the family of these... Uh, the, the family that he's hanging around with, uh, they're like, oh, yeah, every night we sort of go into the bathroom after him and it's just like, you know... Burn marks on the floor, and it's like obviously where he's had the tissue—it's falling out his ass on the floor, and there's just a fire on the floor. And they're like, "Oh, did you think that was a bit weird?" And like, "Well, yeah, a little bit." But <laughs> um, Albert spent ten days with this family, and then he married the mother. So after what? after ten days of witnessing this woman, uh, witnessing this man be whipped and beaten by her children whilst wearing brown pants, having them scratch down his back and then shoving paper up his arse and then setting it on fire. This woman just like,
1: accepted his marriage proposal. She was definitely desperate. Well, this, maybe she thought he was really good with the kids. Well, this is
0: the thing. Yeah, he must have thought, oh, he's just good with kids and maybe didn't think anything else of it and was like, all right, sure. Yeah, that bit's a bit weird, but okay, he's good with the kids and I need someone to look after the kids. Now, again, we do have to remember this is Great Depression era where people are mm. desperate and if there's a like this is sound a bit misogynistic but for the time i think it makes more sense but if there's a if there's a wealthier man gonna come round and not only look after me but my seven children that are not his then i'm taking it yeah for sure absolutely yeah um <laughs> now albert would actually go on to have three marriages uh all without divorcing the last ones so he's a bigamist at that uh he generally moved Mm -hmm. on when the lady in question kind of didn't show the same levels of sadism than fish so if we can go back to those letters that he was writing to mrs Shaw when he proposed marriage Mm -hmm. to her and was like are you married because obviously when she replied in a similar tone to what he was going for he was like oh my god i need to marry this woman um, but that's kind of what he looks for in his women. He's like, listen, are you kind of cool with a bit of, you know, a bit of slapping, a bit of, bit of whipping, a bit of, you know, spanking? And if they are, he's like, okay, I can play with this. I can work with this.
1: But if they're kind of not interested, um, he moves on real quick. I mean, I'm sure some people listening to this are like a little bit of slap and tickle. Like, <laughs> it's just, just how it goes. Yeah. But I, I think that there is a line. Oh, 100% there is a line. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, back in New
0: York, it's May 1928. A classified ad in the new york world reading quote young man 18 wishes position in the country edward budd 406 west 15th street and who should happen to read that but none other than albert fish now he's still got that failed penis mutilation on his mind Do you remember last week he went to the waxworks museum oh yeah yep yeah. yeah now here might be an opportunity to this is a young man of 18 who's looking to leave the city if the boy never came home you could easily explain that away as him moving out west or deciding never to come back to his own uh, of his own accord now like you know he's an adult technically so no one's really going to bat an eyelid if this 18 year old sort of disappears so two days later albert came knocking at the door of edward budd now what he found was a cramped apartment it was may But it was hotter than usual for the time of year and the Bud's apartment only had one window facing the back alley of the building. So the apartment was really stuffy and hot. Now the apartment was shared by seven of the Bud family. There was 18-year-old Edward Bud who had put the ad in the newspaper. There was his mother and father Delia and Albert Bud and there was his younger siblings Albert Jr, George, Beatrice and Grace Bud. Now mother... Delia Bud answered the daughter fish wearing a dark suit and a black felt hat with a newspaper under one arm. For this very poor family, Albert looked to be a very well respectable man. He told her his name was Frank Howard, that he had seen Edward's ad and wanted to inquire about hiring the boy to come and work on his farm. Now, the Bud family were poverty stricken. They knew that life would be hard for their children and wanted better for them. Now, this would be a great opportunity to get their elders out of the city where he might be able to find good, honest work and make something of himself. Delia Budd could not have ushered in Albert quicker. Now, he explained how um, he was once a painter and decorator by trade. He made a good earning, and when he got old enough, lived out his dream of owning a farm with his six wonderful children. And the farm had 300 chickens, it had half a dozen dairy cows, it even had a Swedish chef along with five, five. other farmhands. Yeah, I know, right? And this, this is what I'm saying. For this poverty-stricken family, they're like, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. I've never seen 500 cows or chickens.
1: They didn't um, even do any like background checks. They just
0: believed it. I mean, oh, there, there is no background checks in this time and era for this for this poverty stricken family. I'd be like, just show me your farm real quick. Well, what's he? What's he gonna do? Whip out a Polaroid or something? There ain't none. I'd see it myself. <laughs> yeah, I want to see it myself. Okay, yeah. <laughs> now, but this is the thing. So, like, like I said, um, for this poor family, they look at this guy. He's turned up in a suit. Um, like, he looks, he looks well-to-do, and they've no reason to not trust him, you know? So, I don't know. Maybe people just sort of more gullible at the time. A lot easier to abduct children back then, apparently. Oh, it totally was, yeah. Now, with Albert now in the apartment, Mrs Budd was able to get a better look at the man, Frank Howard. He, his suit was shabby and scuffed, his trousers at the knees were frayed, his face was hollow and sunken, and his teeth were mouldy. But despite this she still thought he looked respectable enough. Besides, he sported a rather large diamond ring on his pinky finger, which demonstrated more wealth than the Bud family could ever hope to imagine. So, like, all right, this dude's a bit scruffy, but come on, this guy's money. This guy's made of money. And also, this dude's saying, like, i got a farm. This dude's a farmer. He probably doesn't have suits. He probably doesn't wear them very often, so he's just sort of, Mm. you know, just chucked on what he's got. So I think they just took him for as he was. Hmm. So, Edward was out with his friends when Albert arrived, so Mrs. Budd sent one of her daughters to fetch him. Albert dug into his pocket and uh, gave the little daughter a shiny five pence piece for her trouble. When she returned with her brother, he wasn't alone. He'd brought a friend with him, William Corman. When explained about the job, Edward was very enthusiastic, saying he wasn't afraid of hard work. He did ask one small favour though. His friend William was also looking for summer work and wondered if Frank Howard might have room for one more. Frank Howard pondered for a moment, then agreed and promised to pay the boys $15 a week um, for as long as he's with them. And he then pulled out a pocket watch from his jacket, excusing himself by saying he had a business engagement to attend. He would be back on Saturday to pick up the boys and promptly left. Now, when Saturday arrived, the boys waiting in their apartment were disappointed when a knock at the door turned out to be a delivery boy with a note from Frank Howard saying he won't be able to make it today. He'll be back the next morning for the boys. Now, <laughs> this bit's, uh, if I could just pause for a second, this bit's kind of interesting. Um, he obviously he's only really interested in getting Edward Budd, the 18 year old. And then when he brings his friend... He's like, ah, shit, Um, these are two 18-year-old strapping boys. I'm not entirely sure that I can cope with both of them. Um, Because obviously he's looking to kill now. Um, And and, um, he's not entirely sure that he's able to do both of them. So this kind of week away from them is him trying to decide whether it's worth him doing. Uh, And I think on the Saturday that he was still kind of making up his mind and i think he was like do you know what yeah i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it (laughs) Mm. so sure enough on the sunday albert was on his way but he had a few stops to make he picked up some fresh strawberries from a stand he also filled a pail with pot cheese before heading to the bud home albert was greeted by the buds in their sunday best Albert handed over the fresh strawberries and pot cheese, claiming that you wouldn't find tastier products from his farm. Remember, this farm doesn't exist. This guy's actively Mm. gone out, bought this shit to make it look like he has a farm. This guy is cunning. Yeah. This guy's scary. This guy's a predator. He knows what he's doing. Oh, 100%. This guy knows what he's doing. He's very good at what he does in a bizarre way. Like... (laughs) i kind of want to liken him to um uh, jimmy savile uh in that he's very smart and he knows what he's doing he puts himself in positions where he knows children will be there and he uses his appearance as uh, and and his sort of position as a, a safety net so albert fish uses the fact that he kind of looks a bit like a kindly old man as a way of getting mm. away from things and then jimmy savile of course used the fact that he's a big time celebrity uh, yeah. as a way of getting around things. I find them very, very similar, except, with, no, not except you mean. for the murder. <laughs> yeah, Savile didn't go that far, but still awful. Now, Edward Budd and his friend were out at the time when Frank Howard uh, t- turned up at the house, but they would be back soon. So in the meantime, Mrs Bud offered Frank Howard a spot of lunch. While waiting, Frank Howard described his lavish farm. Then the door went and into the room stood 10-year-old Grace Budd. She was pale from uh, from years in an apartment with no natural light, but she was very, very pretty nonetheless. It was undeniable. Everyone who saw her knew it and always told her she was very pretty. She was wearing a white silk dress that she had had on for church, and Albert was transfixed. Oh, no. Come here, child, he said, gesturing for her to sit on his lap. Grace was naturally wary of the old man, but her mother nodded her blessing. For Albert, it was as if he and Grace were the only two people in the room. He asked her everything about school, about her friends, about her hobbies, all the while stroking her hair on her head. And the Bud parents could only watch, not wanting to displease the man who was going to give their son a job. And that's the bit that's really heartbreaking is that they want their son and their kids to have a better life than what they have. And this guy's potentially going to offer it to their son. And yet this guy's behaving in a way that they're not possibly comfortable with. And there's not a lot they feel they can do.
1: Yeah, um, they must have been so desperate. Yeah.
0: Now, Albert asked Grace how good at counting she was. He then pulled out of his pocket a wad of cash, giving it to Grace to count. The Bud parents watching almost gasped at the idea of this man carrying so much cash on him casually. Grace counted $92.50. Albert congratulated her on a job well done and gave her $0.50, telling her to go buy some sweets for her and her sister, and off she went. I think that was a power play. Uh, I think like the whole maybe stroking the, the, the girl's hair might think okay maybe i'm pushing it a bit too far so i'm going to show them now that i've got a lot of money and they're going to like that mm. like i am going to take yeah, this sure. i've got money to pay for it
1: <clears throat> yeah
0: okay let's just take a second to pause here so we're actually seeing albert working in his element so he's manipulative he's got the bud family completely wrapped around his little finger uh, with that money mm-hmm. play so when grace left albert seemed to be lost in thought. It seemed as though plans had changed in his mind. When Edward and William came back to the apartment, Frank Howard had some more disappointing news. He would not be taking the boys back with him today. Unfortunately, his sister's daughter was having a birthday party for which he was obliged to attend. Instead, he promised the boys he would come back later in the day for them and handed him some cash and told him to go to the pictures as a treat on him. And just as Frank Howard was leaving the apartment, oh, he had a great idea. Wouldn't young Grace like to come along with me to my niece's birthday party? There would be lots of children there, there would be lots of games, uh, and I would take good care of them. And I'd make sure that she was back by 9 p.m. at the latest. And then I'll take the boys back with me to my farm and their new job, ...in the country. Oh, what would you say to that?
1: Oh, dear. Um, I mean, I would say no, go fuck yourself, you creepy old man. But I guess from a point of desperation, they were like, yeah, okay, because they don't want to displease him. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So the parents were naturally a bit sceptical about this offer, but they didn't want to offend the new employer of their son... By, employ- ...by implying that he couldn't look after a child. So, Grace's father allowed her to go. Mrs Budd stood at the doorway and waved her daughter goodbye as she walked off into the street with albert fish it would be the last time she saw her daughter
1: oh man okay
0: warning some may find the next part distressing
1: oh yeah because the rest of it's been fine
0: (laughs) yeah uh (laughs) yeah if you've struggled with that up till now possibly switch off it's only going to get worse now that warning is in place Albert, with ten-year-old Grace Bud holding his hand, hopped onto the train. She sat on the window side and next to her, Albert sat a canvas-wrapped parcel. Inside that parcel was a butcher's knife, a meat cleaver and a handsaw. Now people on the train looked over at the old man sitting with the little girl, but all they saw was a kindly old man sitting with his granddaughter. One, mm. one of the worst parts of this story for me is <clears throat> when they disembarked from the train, Albert seemed so distracted that when they got off, little Grace tugged at his sleeve and told him that he'd forgotten his canvas parcel and left it on the train.
1: Oh, man. Now. Oh, fuck. Eh, sucks. Right.
0: I know. I know. Albert led her to an old house known by locals as Wisteria Cottage. He told Grace to stay in the front garden and pick wild flowers. He would call her up soon. He entered the house, went upstairs to the corner bedroom. He unwrapped his canvas parcel, placing each of his tools on the floor. He then undressed until naked. Then he called up young Grace to the bedroom. Walking upstairs with flowers in her hand, Albert jumped out on her. I'll tell my mama, she said, but her mother would never be able to help her. Fish grabbed her by the throat, dragged her into the bedroom. He wrestled her to the floor, kneeling on her chest with all his weight while strangling her. At the same time, Fish became erect. Grace Bud was dead, and as as harrowing as it is, What he does next, I'm glad that she was unable to experience this. Fish placed her head on top of an open paint can. He reached over to his double-edged knife and began to decapitate Grace, trying to catch as much blood in the can as possible. Once the head was removed, Fish undressed Grace's lifeless body and began to slice through her body below the belly button. He kept slicing till he reached the spine when he switched to his meat cleaver and the body was now in two. He took her shoes and head, placing them in the toilet, but then had a change of mind, so instead set the head in a corner and placed a newspaper over it. He then took both halves of Grace's body and propped them up against the corner behind a door, so it was hidden from view. Covered in blood, with no running water in the house, fish went into the garden and tried to wipe the blood off with fistfuls of of grass. He then got dressed, wrapped up his tools again, and wrapped up something else in the newspaper. He was out of the house by 4.10pm, and the whole bloody affair had lasted just over an hour.
1: I don't know about anyone else listening, but I did my best to... Like it sounds bad, but I did my best to zone out during that because it made me feel yeah. quite unwell. But it, it's kind of impossible to do so. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get that.
1: Um Yeah. That we've heard some horrific stuff on this how old was she again? Ten. Fucking hell. Yeah, we we've heard some horrific stuff on this podcast. That oh, does it take the cake? I don't know. It it's it's just it's I don't understand how you can do that to another human being, let alone a little girl. How yeah, how the man. fuck do you have it in you? Yeah, I get sad so, when I step on like my dog's paw and I feel like the world's coming down. So how the fuck did you decapitate a child?
0: Mate, when I step on a snail, you have that moment of, oh, God.
1: Yeah, it's just no one likes taking life, surely. Well, I guess some people no. do.
0: Yeah, hunters probably do, don't they?
1: It's fucked. That, that, no. That's so
0: fucked. Fish would revisit the body four days later. In an interview, he described what he did. I took the body and the legs out from behind the door. The legs were so stiff, stiff as a board. I threw them out the window onto the lawn and carried the torso out, picking up the legs as I passed over the lawn and went to the stone wall out back of the house. I laid the body and legs as they would be in life. Oh, some fireworks going off in my area. That sort of killed the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in the months and eventual years, since the murder of Grace Budd the police could not find their man and the family were left wondering if their daughter's killer would ever be brought to justice. It's not like the Budds could ever try to move on either. They were regularly sent letters from people pretending to be the killer. All of these letters were sent to the police and recognised as hoaxes that's the bit that's so fucked up that shows how weird there are some weird people out there they used to write letters to the bud family being like i'm the one that killed your daughter yeah what do you gain from that what do you gain from that that's mad now they kept getting loads of these and and it got to the point where they just started to ignore them uh but that was until they received one particular letter this is, this is the, the one Im- i have here this is the one you have here so this is the infamous bud letter and i have uh i've cropped it down for time's sake it's it's a lot longer um if you do want to take a look at it and read it i mean you can easily find it online so you can read it in its entirety um i like i say i've cropped it down uh, just for it to make a wee bit more sense and uh, just to be uh, for time constraints so uh james whenever you're ready please read the dear bud letter
1: My dear Mrs. Budd, on Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you a pot of cheese and strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat on my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her. Fucking hell. At the pretense of taking her to a party. You said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester. I had already picked out, and when we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all of my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in a closet until she was in the room. When she saw me naked, she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs. I grabbed her, and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms. Cook and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though. I I could have if I wished. She died a virgin. Phew.
0: Okay. Let's, uh like we did before let's take a second because that was heavy so I remember about the rainbows and the the fresh smelling grass like you know whatever you need take the time to dissect that
1: um how was that james i uh, did did he eat her is this something he did or is he just saying he did so <clears throat> this is the thing
0: i'll, I'll get on to it right um Thankfully, Mrs. Budd was illiterate, so she couldn't actually read the letter. That's a blessing. Yeah, but her brother Edward, whose ad brought the monster to the door, he was the one that read it. Now, Mm. something that is interesting is, as you've sort of uh, noticed already, is how different the letter is to what is agreed to be the correct timeline of events. He details in this letter how he ate her body, but we know that's not quite true. Did he eat her? We don't know. Um, It's thought that maybe he took some meat away with her, possibly, Um, but when her body was found years later, all that was left was skeletal remains, so it's uh, very unclear as to maybe what was taken. Uh, Maybe he cut off slices and tried to eat it. Uh, He does later admit to a psychiatrist that he tried to drink her blood from the bucket, but we also know that he threw it out the window, so maybe he tried it and he didn't like it. I think, personally that this letter was his own way of um reliving the moment but but moreover making it worse for himself so that he could get off on it is that if that makes sense
1: no yeah, i understand it i mean that that's just that's just heavy isn't it there's it's we've had this in the past in past episodes where it's all like it's horrible the act of doing this to someone's child and mm. then i think it was a serial killer in japan that did it wasn't it and then but it's just another level to then right to the parents gloating about what you've done. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a uh, Sutomu Miyazaki, I think.
1: Mm, Yeah. Um, yeah. The one with the weird
0: hands. Um, the one with the weird hands. That dude was Ugh. Um yeah, I think this guy takes the takes the cake.
1: Yeah, oh, Eater or not, it's it's fucked. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Now, the murder of Grace Budd made national headlines. A huge police effort was made Uh, But as time went on, the leads dried up and only one man really sort of kept the flame alive. Detective William King searched all over the country for clues, but it was Fisher's letter writing that got him caught. Police had one of his letters on the back of the envelope was stamped NYPCBA, which stood for New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. Now, police had managed to figure out that a guy had brought a bunch of these envelopes to his home. When they questioned him to be a suspect, they later discovered that he'd actually already moved out of the apartment these letters had been sent from before. Um, So they were like, okay, so whoever sent these letters has moved in since you moved out. And when they spoke to the landlady of the apartment uh, and a description of Frank Howard was made... um, The woman was like oh that's albert fish that's albert he he lived here and then the police had their man from that moment now i won't cover the trial um, because it is very long and intensive uh, but it is truly a fascinating case that i would recommend people read up on Um, i will discuss the main crux of the case that is Um, the prosecution wanted the death penalty which was the electric chair at the time. The defence were calling for a plea of insanity, which would have avoided the death penalty and meant that he would spend the rest of his life in a mental institution. So, um, question time. Uh, What would you go for, James? Would you go guilty and the death penalty, or would you go for he is insane and put him in an asylum for the rest of his life?
1: Oh, well, this is a doozy, because do I agree with capital punishment? I don't know. But also, do I want the guy dead? Probably. Probably yeah it's difficult isn't it um i've was he i mean you've got to be insane to to accomplish that surely but I, I don't know if he he's earned a right to life i think maybe death is the the best way for him yeah
0: well the whole case is what i'm saying the case is genuinely fascinating if you are interested of course i do recommend you go look up the case and as uh, how they debate it um because a lot of the psychiatrists are saying he's not insane um I mentioned briefly on the last episode um, the defence lawyer for Albert is like listen, this guy likes to eat shit, drink piss whip himself silly until he's bleeding that surely makes him insane and the psychiatrist was like there's many people that like doing that in their sex life and then the guy's like I clearly know nothing about sex then because I've never heard of it um, and, but they were like well it doesn't make him insane that he likes those things and then the whole thing is about is he insane at the point of murdering Grace Bud? And it's like, yeah, the, this, guy is, you know, this guy has some issues, but not insane. Like, he knows the difference between right and wrong. And also, the whole thing is that it's premeditated. He bought pot cheese. He bought strawberries. He knew exactly what he was doing when he was working in the Bud family. Like, he knew what he was doing. Um, now, um, the psychiatrist that was on the defense of Albert Fish wanted him to be certified insane so that he could study him further because he found him such a phenomenon um that he was like listen i i could work with this guy and this could stop so many other predators in the future if we knew about this guy which i find really fascinating
1: hmm.
0: now um funny enough fish was found guilty and he was sentenced to death by electric chair and the jurors this is the bit i find hilarious the jurors they all agreed yeah fish is insane but they were like but he deserves the chair anyway
1: (laughs) i mean yeah i understand that completely (laughs) that's
0: the bit in it and the the defense are like so he is insane they're like yeah but we still want him dead (laughs) he's a prick (laughs) he's a knob yeah now uh when asked about the electric chair fish said quote what a thrill that will be if I have to die in the electric chair. It will be the supreme thrill. The only one I haven't tried. Which is a bit weird. Like like the idea that he thinks he's going to get off on this. Mm. Uh, that would be the, the one last sexual kick. Um, but before he could be fried, Albert had one last confession. Remember the little boy, four-year-old Billy Gaffney, who disappeared with the bogeyman last episode at the beginning? Ah, yes. Yeah, we're getting back to that. Now, Fish admitted in a letter that he had actually killed the boy. And um, if what he says is true, what he does is far worse than what he did to Grace Budd. Yeah. Now, again, this is edited down for time. Warning, this is a hell of a lot worse than the Grace Bud.
1: Oh, fuck, you
0: know, okay. There is a public dumping ground on Rikers Avenue. I took the G-boy there. I stripped him naked and tied his hands and feet and gagged him with a piece of dirty rag I picked out of the dump. Then I walked back and took a trolley to 59th Street at 2am and walked from there home. Next day, about 2pm, I took tall, a good heavy cut of nine tails, homemade, short handle, cut one of my belts in half, slit these halves in six strips about eight inches long. I whipped his bare behind till the blood ran from his legs. I cut off his ear, nose slits with, uh, I cut off his ears, nose, slit his mouth from ear to ear gouged out his eyes. He was dead then. I stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood. I picked up four old potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones. Then I cut him up. I had a grip with me. I put his nose, ears and a few slices of his belly in the grip. Then I cut him through his legs, about two inches below his behind. I put this in my grip, I cut off his head, feet, arms, hands and the legs below the knee. This is put in sacks weighed down with stones, tied the end and threw them into the pools of slimy water. I came home with my meat I had from the front of his body I liked best. His monkey and peewees and a nice little fat behind to roast in the oven and eat. I made a stew out of his ears, nose, pieces of his face and belly. I put onions, carrots, turnips, celery, salt and pepper. It was good. Then I split the cheeks of his behind open, cut off his monkey and peewees and washed them first. I put strips of bacon on each cheek of his behind and put in the oven. Then I picked four onions and when the meat was roasted about a quarter an hour, I poured about a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the onions. At frequent intervals, I basted his behind with a wooden spoon so the meat would be nice and juicy. In about two hours, it was nice and brown, cooked through. I never, I, I never ate any roast turkey that tasted half as good as his sweet, fat little behind did. I ate every bit of his meat in about four days. His little monkey was as sweet as a nut, but his peewees I could not chew threw them in the toilet. Sorry, Mum.
1: <laughs> uh, again, it's one of those things you try to zone out, but you just can't... Um, fuck. Yeah. I'm, yeah. F- I'm... I'm I know people listen to a podcast to hear people talk but but I don't I don't know. I don't know, Ryan.
0: Okay. Well, I I be honest with you, I don't believe that he does this.
1: It seems very descriptive and specific. It's
0: very descriptive, yes. It's very descriptive, yes. But it's it's an escalation. Now, if he did kill Billy Gaffney, I doubt he did it in the way he describes in this letter, simply because mm. typically speaking, <laughs> pardon me, typically speaking, serial killers escalate. They don't de-escalate. They don't, te- unless like, you know, the whole drag the ripper theory that they're disturbed. Uh, so they can't finish their acts. But remember when Albert fish was trying to cut off the penis of that 19 year old boy, um, in last episode he had a change of heart and this is around a similar time that billy gaffney disappears so i don't think that he goes from this i don't think he goes from sort of chickening out with this boy trying to cut off his penis to going through this far and then what he does to grace bud and it sounds awful to equate the two like this but what he does to grace bud is not as bad as what he's describing in this letter and i don't think Uh, he de-escalates. I just just think he's lying.
1: Yeah, he's trying to get off on it a little bit. I think
0: he is. I think he's just trying to get off on the letter writing. So as gruesome and as graphic as that letter is, um, if he did kill Billy Gaffney, I very doubt, I I doubt very much that he did it in the way that he describes in this letter. So uh, maybe take that away from the letter if you're like, oh, that's awful. And, you know, yeah. If it did happen, then it's absolutely fucking awful. I just don't necessarily believe it myself.
1: No, that's fair. I I think I'm with you. It does seem very embellished, but even so, like, to have the the thought to be able to write something like that.
0: Yeah. Now, Albert Fish,
1: the boogeyman, the
0: grey man, the werewolf of Wisteria, was led to the electric chair on January 16th, 1936, aged 65, It took three minutes for the grey man to die. Now, there is so much more to this story. Like I said, the trial is extensive and it delves into the mind more of Fish. But we would have to do an episode on it entirely. And, you know, we just necessarily have the time to do that. So if I haven't turned you off, pick up the book Deranged by Harold Schechter. It goes into so much detail about Albert Fish, the case, and it's so well written. I think it's like the best true crime book I think I've read. It's it's so good. It reads like a storybook. It's so fascinating and just grips you. It's so good. I highly recommend it. Um, and yeah, that's the end of our Halloween special. That's Albert Fish done. <laughs> that's what people do.
1: <laughs> Happy Halloween. <Ooh.
0: laughs> yeah, man. Um, <laughs> who'd have thought when we first came up with the idea of doing this podcast and we we're like, let's do, that's what people do. We'd be talking. I remember about our this first guy.
1: episodes, like Tolkien and Dashrath Manji and yeah. people that had done like, oh, that's really cool. And now suddenly we're at the, oh wow, we should probably go extinct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is, isn't it? it uh, but that's, like if a
1: meteor was heading to earth right now, I'd be like, yeah, fair, understandable. Let it happen. <laughs> yeah. And that's the
0: fascinating thing, isn't it? It's like, there are good people out there. There are some bad people out there. Um, <laughs> so yeah well dear listener I hope you enjoyed no <laughs> um, I
1: hope you're not vomiting somewhere like in your car
0: I hope basically I've managed to up the ante from like you know Sutomu Miyazaki or I think that was his name like i think Mm. i think this has now become my job james is just to find the worst people
1: (laughs) yeah apparently so you've you've set a fucking benchmark here i don't know how (laughs) further you can go yeah um now because sometimes it's not about the quantity of people killed it's the manner of which people are doing the killing that uh, is the horrifying part
0: absolutely absolutely yeah yeah um like i mean we spoke about um oh christ what was the uh how have i forgotten his name it's literally my episode what was the tasmanian shooter what was his name Oh shit, I know who you're on about. Oh yeah. bollocks. His name escapes me as well. <laughs> the guy from Port Arthur. Um but like that guy killed like so many more people with a gun. Um Oh, Martin Bryant. Remember that? That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Now that guy that guy shot up loads of people. Um and that's awful. Uh but like like you said Albert Fish and the way he kills people uh, had had killed people. It just it's that it's more personal. It just it feels awful, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it's just. It. I mean, I think it says a lot about society that we're very like desensitized to people being shot. As you said, like, oh, it's awful, but then we can happily get on with our day. Yeah. Whereas that. stuff like what we've just gone through stops you in your tracks.
0: Oh, for sure. There's that uh, quote that I believe is always misquoted as being uh, Joseph Stalin, where one man's death is a tragedy. A million deaths is a statistic. Mm. I think that's very apt. Um, <laughs> so, listener, thank you very much. Um, uh, do consider supporting the show, of course. Um like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, for the first time ever, the show has been able to support itself monetarily for the next year uh, in that we have paid off our distributors so that we can continue to put out the episodes, um, which <laughs> is fantastic. Uh, it's all because of you guys listening and your kind donations. Uh, if you would like to continue to support us, please do bring the donations in. Uh, if you've never uh, cons- if you've never donated to the show before, maybe you'd like to start. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds rude. Um but like, you know, if you'd like to help us out, that'd be fantastic. Um, if you'd like to support the show in another way, if you like, ah, oh, do you know what? I don't want to just give the money. Uh, you can check out our merch store and you can get something in return. The You know, it's not like you get a podcast already. Uh, no, check out the merch store uh, where we've got loads of cool designs on jumpers, T-shirts, mugs, the lot. Uh, it's coming up to Christmas soon. So, you know, maybe tell your missus or your other half, you know, get me get me this jumper. I really want to support the show. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe consider uh, following our social media where you can get to see some awesome pictures um, on of these people that we talk about um, I'm kind of getting into my graphic design apparently I'm getting quite good at it's it
1: getting really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's getting really yeah. good I won't lie it's getting really good I'm just letting you fly with this one yeah I'm getting quite good at it um, so
0: yeah uh, consider doing all that uh now next week uh i am not here i'm in jamaica <laughs> as you do um, why not and all i want to do james i want to just post like a meme on my social media of uh, michael scott going to sandals jamaica because that,
1: that's ah uh, yes that's all I sand almost everywhere yeah sand- tan almost everywhere jan almost everywhere, jan everywhere. <laughs> um so yeah i think i think <laughs> i think
0: i might try and recreate that um the, the picture, that picture, yeah. please do. That would that would be a wonderful. I might try and do that. Um, so yeah, obviously I'm away <laughs> in Jamaica next week. Um I'm gonna go on a limb and ask James whether he actually has someone to talk about next week anyway. Guy Fawkes. Oh, of course. Oh my God. <laughs> you... I'm fucking prepared. <laughs> Apologise. So all right, we've got Guy Fawkes on the next episode. Um I think we might be late for Guy Fawkes. You
1: know. Don't worry. You can enjoy your fireworks and then we'll get Guy Fawkes out afterwards. (laughs)
0: Yeah, all right. Uh, So next episode's going to be on Guy Fawkes. Uh, Give me a week off, please, because I need to get better uh, and I need to have a holiday because I've not had one in a very long time. Go to Jamaica. going to go to Jamaica. So, yeah, uh, join us on the next show when we talk about uh, Guy Fawkes. I can't wait for that one. Um, I beg your pardon. There's a lot of anti-Catholic and anti-Protestant
1: stuff. (laughs) Oh, fuck, yeah. We've got a lot of scripts to recreate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All of them are bullshit. None of them are factually correct. No, so. no. If I can,
0: just a little aside, if anyone's interested, if you're still listening at this point on, right, James and I obviously, you know, worked at the London Dungeon. Do you know what? I don't care if they know this now. They can sue us if they want. Good luck.
1: Oh, I'll never work for that company um, again. So, yeah, it's uh, fine.
0: So I was performing in the Guy Fawkes show. Uh, you play a guy called Master Bates who didn't exist, who did not capture Guy Fawkes. So I don't know why it's in there. And you tell the story about how you caught him. Now, I, it was coming out to November 5th. I had an entire school group come in just to watch my show because they were learning about Guy Fawkes, they came in and they watched me tell them a show, uh, tell them stories that's not true and they've gone back to school and they're like probably done some homework saying how Mr. Master Bates, which is a pun, yes you heard that right, it's a pun on Master Bates, how Mr. Master Bates (laughs) caught Guy Fawkes and they all got
1: it wrong. It's just not. It's just not true. It's just, there's no one called Masturbates. Bates. It just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen.
0: So yeah, that's a little fun aside. Uh, so yeah, join us next week. We're talking about Guy Fawkes. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, get better soon, everyone. Like I hope you've stopped dry heaving by now. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you, on, you know, oh, yeah. see you
1: on the next one. Enjoy yourselves.